Amen. Lord, we thank you for your presence today. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Well, as Shelley just mentioned, I'm going to be teaching on water baptism today. <clears throat> and um, we wanted the teenagers to stay in because uh, it's very important that, uh, that they probably hear this. And uh, all of us hear it today. Um, message, if I was to give it a title, would be The Purpose and Power of Water Baptism. And um, as we mentioned, the uh, church Memorial Day picnic, um, just one little correction on the date was actually wrong on the on the overhead. It is not Sunday. It is it is not the 28th. It's the 29th. It's Monday Memorial Day, right after the uh, parade. So what we do is we do a church picnic that is always a lot of fun, and then we do a water baptism at three o'clock on that same day. So it'll be Monday, the 29th of this month, May. So we wanted to kind of talk about water baptism today, in order to uh, really just. Um, to emphasize the significance of water baptism, but there's also another reason why this was really on my heart, is God is really moving in this hour. And just over the last month, we've had over 12 people who have either gotten saved and asked Jesus into their heart. Most of them have been rededications to the Lord, but we've had like 12 in the last month. And the Spirit of God, yes, yes, we need to praise the Lord. That's huge. And the reason I bring that up is because uh, the Spirit of God is drawing prodigals home. There are people who have been away from the Lord and have been living their own wild life living and their own life away from the Lord. But the Spirit of God is drawing and he is drawing their hearts to him. And so we all have to be at a place where we realize that he is moving. I, I've had several things just happen to me in the last two weeks. I have a family member last Friday night. We were down visiting Joel in Knoxville. And it was at 9.30 in the, in the at night. And we were visiting in Joel's family room. And I get a phone call from a family member. And the family member was in tears and overwhelmed. And they've been away from the Lord for over 30 years. And I've been praying for this family member for long time. Yes. And they were at a place out in the country where a trauma happened in their life. And they go, I just need to talk. I need to pray. God's drawing me. And God is. He is drawing people. Even my mother-in-law, I thank you guys for praying for her. She's in the hospital. Karen's there with her right now. She had surgery yesterday, and she fell and all this kind of stuff. And they found all kinds of stuff wrong with her as they, she went to the hospital for the first time in her life. <laughs> and, uh, but God is using uh, even this issue with her, and God's using it to draw, draw her heart. And many of you have family members who are away from the Lord. And I say, do not grow weary in your praying and your well-doing. I'm saying, the Spirit of God is moving on the land. There is a revival that is brewing. There is an awakening that is going on. And even as we sang that song, these dead bones live again. We are declaring a resurrection of dead people who have died and walked away from the Lord to come back to our glorious Savior. Can I have an amen? Yeah. 
And so, God, I want to thank you for what you're doing. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are drawing people back to you. And I thank you, God, that you are wooing our hearts. And this, God, we realize is not just for the people who are prodigals who are away from you and have known you and you're bringing them back. There are those who don't know you, God, and you're drawing their hearts to you. And us, in the body of Christ, you're drawing us to a greater dedication and devotion to you. You're kicking off apathy, God, and you are moving in our hearts. And so, Father, I thank you for that. And I just pray, God, as I share in the word about water baptism and the significance of it, that, Father God, it, water baptism is truly about what you have done for us. It's about your death, burial, and resurrection. It's more about you and us just engaging in obedience towards it. But God, I pray that you would just open the word of God today, that, that we would not take water baptism just as uh, lightly. But Lord, it is a sacrament. It is, a, it is a something that you've placed in uh, the church to remember and to, to, to call people to. And so God, I just thank you for your presence on this word tonight, today, God, and I just praise you that you are moving in this generation and that you're drawing hearts to you. Now, God, in this place, draw people's hearts. For those who are here, God, who do not know you, I thank you, God, for drawing them to you, even through the preaching and the proclamation of your word. And God, we just give you praise and glory and honor in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. So now you know a little bit of where I'm going, but here's what I want to encourage us in this message. If you've been water baptized, this is not time for you to shut me off. Because all of us in this room are called to baptize people and to teach people to obey the will of the Lord. And you need to know the significance and the importance of water baptism yourself because there are people in your family there are people who are in your circle of relationships who are going to come to know Jesus and you need to know what water baptism is all about so that you can be part of bringing them to Jesus. You can be part of teaching them to obey all of his commands because here is our mission. I want to remind us of our mission as a church, why we exist on the planet, why this church is here, why it was founded 26 years ago is this in Matthew 28. He has called this place, the people of this house, to make disciples of all nations. Can I have an amen? amen? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And if people are returning to the Lord, then you need to realize that you're a picture, you're a part of that picture of the mission. Say, I'm a part of the mission. Say, I have a responsibility, and I say yes to it. I give Jesus my yes. So all of us are called to make disciples. Say, I'm called to make disciples. We are all called to baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You get to baptize people. That's why when we do a water baptism, it is not me in the water. It's usually the person who has spiritually brought them to the Lord or have helped them in their walk with Christ. Yes, I will get in the water. It's interesting how Paul said he only baptized two people. It's because the body of Christ is to be baptizing people. It is not a minister's responsibility. I know there's some denominations where it has to be the holy man. 
but I've not found any holy men in this house. <laughs> holy only because of Jesus, not holy because of position. But we're all also in this, in this mission of teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. You get to teach people what obedience to Christ looks like. You get to be a part, and this is where it can sometimes get really sticky and really ugly when we are helping people grow in their walk with Christ and their life is not reflecting the obedience to the word and we get to say, hey man, you're better than that. And you begin to help teach them of what does it look like to obey God. And sometimes people resist that and say, I don't want that. Are you a disciple? Because a disciple follows Christ, amen? If you want to be my disciple, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And we all get to be in this picture, this mission, and Jesus will be with us to the very end of the age. Guess what? Even when you feel inadequate and you don't know what to say to somebody, you don't know what to do. I loved what uh, Chad said on boldness this morning. He was talking about how we need to be bold. You know what? We just need to be bold and share our faith. We need to share people because if you know that the Spirit of God is dealing with people, it should give you a greater boldness. It has given me a lot of boldness with my mother-in-law. I am going for the juggler. I am going for it. I'm going, no, the Spirit of God is moving. I am going to strike where God is striking. I'm going to hit where God is hitting. I'm going to love where God is loving. And I'm going after it. Amen. And you got people in your life you need to go after. I called one Saturday. Who, this guy was so instrumental in my life in Christ in Ball State when I got saved. I got saved when I was 16, but I got filled with the Holy Spirit when I was in college. And I was in like four Bible studies every week. And this one guy, man, he, he took me under his wings and he taught me and he shared with me. I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I went to his church and went home on the weekends with him because I didn't know what all this Holy Spirit stuff was. And, and I was just a, a dead dry Presbyterian and God woke this little boy up in college and it was really exciting. But here's what really was sad. When we graduated college and we went on our, we, we kept in contact but he had a real trauma that happened where he had a situation where his, his wife had an affair with his pastor. And it just wrecked him. And he is away from the Lord and has been bitter for years. Been 30 years since he's been bitter. And boy, the Lord put him on my heart yesterday. And I texted him and man, he called me. <laughs> and he started talking about all the things that they've been through. All the trauma, all the craziness. And all this stuff. And I said, man, Brad, oops, hey, buddy, I love you. I love you, and God's put you on my heart. We're getting together next Saturday. <laughs> and so God is dealing with people's hearts. Please engage people. Please be a voice. Please be about the mission. Are you with me? Can everybody say amen? Are you with me? Well, today what I want to do is I'm going to minister in the purpose and the power of water baptism. Because this is part of our mission. This is part of what Jesus commanded us to do. And this is for all of us. So you got to learn yourself. You got to learn what water baptism is all about. And if you are, have not been water baptized in this house, if you're here today, I really want to encourage you. If you have made a confession of faith in Christ, I really want to encourage you to obey the Lord and sign up for water baptism. But first, where I want to go. There, there's three things I want to try to cover today. First is, if you're a teenager or an adult here in this sanctuary, 
You personally need to know the importance of water baptism so that you can help your friends and the people around you to obey Jesus in the powerful declaration of what water baptism is. So you need to know it. That's the first thing that I want to accomplish. The second thing I want to accomplish is there are many in this room and online who are listening that have never responded in faith and they've never obeyed the Lord in water baptism. And I pray today that you are convicted by the Spirit of God, if you're online or if you're here, here personally, that you would say yes to obeying the Lord in water baptism. And then the third thing is there are people who are here in this place or online, and maybe you were baptized as an infant, but you have never been water baptized after you believed. And you go, I want that. Or maybe you've been water baptized and you've wandered away from the Lord. There are times where I think God calls us to be re-water baptized because there is a, a cutting of the past off where we've wandered away from the Lord. And you, and rededicating your life, you need to be re-water baptized in order to make your declaration about you are being united with Christ again. So that, those are the four areas. Now, I, I was in the, four, the third area where my wife and I, we were water baptized as infants. Karen was in the Methodist church. I was in the Presbyterian church. And so I, when Karen and I were first married, we were 22 years of age, and uh, we were going to a church in Union City because I worked at a bank up there. <clears throat> and they started teaching on water baptism, and it was like, woo, there's something on that. And so Karen and I honored the Lord, and we obeyed the Lord in water baptism. And it made a huge shift in our marriage and in our pursuit of Jesus. And so I just really would encourage you, whatever area you are at today, wherever you're in in that flow, uh, just hear the voice of the Lord today as I preach. Hear the voice of the Lord as I teach about the Word of God and see what the Spirit of God does to draw you into water, into water baptism or secure your heart in the significance of it so that you can teach others about it. Amen? So, Father, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. So, in the church, there is actually a lot of disagreement when it comes to water baptism. Did you realize that? That in the body of Christ, there is a lot of differing opinions when it comes to water baptism. And, you can, there, there, and there are many different roads on what people believe. The Catholics, the Episcopalians, the Lutherans, the Methodists, the Presbyterians, the Reformed churches and others believe infant baptism is okay. And there is a perspective of how I know they came to that conclusion. I do not, I do not believe that, but that's, we're not here to di difference. I, I thank God that they're baptizing their kids. So I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to concentrate on that. But some require water water baptism before you even take communion. If you have not been water baptized, you, they do not allow you to take communion. There are there are, there are denominations out there that some believe that you are saved through water baptism. As a matter of fact, my mother-in-law, who's in the hospital, she believes she's okay because she was baptized in the Christian church, and they and they believe that salvation comes through water baptism. And so there's many different 
things. My goal today is to not discuss the theological differences of water baptism. I think it's going to become clear when we read the scripture today when they were water, when they were water baptized, how they were water baptized. And you, and, and again, some sprinkle, some pour, some immerse, all kinds of differences when it comes to water baptism. Around here we immerse, but you know what? There was a lady I water baptized who had cancer, and she could not get into the, the, the river, and I poured water over here, right out here, in the front of the church parking lot. And so, but there's all kinds of differences, but we want to get into what does the Word of God say and what is the importance. And so we've been reading as a church. If you're reading with us in the book of Acts, Acts is packed full of water baptism. Have you guys noticed that in our reading? Literally about 40% of all the scriptures in the Bible about water baptism are in the book of Acts. If you want to know about book of Acts, or the, about water baptism, it is in there like crazy. Now, there's some other scriptures we're going to get into today where Paul explains more theologically a little bit about uh, water baptism, which is what I'm going to get into, which I think is really the power behind water baptism. But the, the word is packed. And so I'm going to go to the first scripture out of Acts chapter 2, and we're going to just read the first account of the water baptism, and we're going to, I want to set the stage for us a little bit on what was going on in this situation. So right now, this is the day of Pentecost. They have waited for 50 days. Jesus Christ has arisen from the dead. He has come and met with them for 40 days after his resurrection. He's walked with them. He's taught them. He's ate with them, and he has give them, given them proof that he exists and that he had risen from the dead. And he is, he is already ascended to heaven and they're waiting in uh, Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit to come. The Holy Spirit has come. They've filled with the Holy Spirit. They begin to speak in tongues. Everybody thought they were drunk or a skunk. They just didn't realize that the Holy Spirit could do some really crazy things. And as soon as they get filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter has his first sermon uh, right there in Acts chapter 2. And this is what Peter immediately goes for when he begins to declare uh, Jesus Christ is the answer. And here's what Peter says in Acts chapter 2. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive what? Go ahead and say it. You will receive what? The gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. For all who are far off, that's called the prodigal, those who are away from the Lord. For all whom the Lord our God will call, with many other words he warned them. And he pleaded with them, he warned them and he pleaded with them. He warned them and he pleaded with them. How many times have you warned somebody and pleaded with them? That's part of our job, warning people and pleading with them. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Do we have a corrupt generation? Do we have a corrupt generation? Save yourself from this corrupt generation and repent and turn to Christ. That's what they're saying. And those who accepted this message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Now, that's a good day, wouldn't you say? Our 12, I would, I would be okay with 3,000 coming to Jesus. Anybody else? Now, think about the 3,000 being water baptized now. Whether they did it in the, the, the river, I probably, most theologians believe they probably used the pool of Bethesda in Jerusalem where the sick would gather, but who knows where they did it. 
I don't think it was the, the 12 apostles who were doing it. I believe it was the 120 that were in the upper room who were doing the water baptism. Because if you take 3,000 people and divide it into 12, you're going to be there a while. You take 120 divided by 3,000, that's about 25 people that you're water baptizing, but it doesn't matter. I believe that they're in the priesthood of all believers and that God has called us all to water baptize. Are you guys with that with me? And I believe that's because of Matthew 28 that we just read a few minutes ago. Because that declaration was to all of us that we are all called to make disciples. We're all called to water baptize. We're all called to teach others to obey Christ. But at any rate, so this is the first one about water baptism. And so he is calling, Peter is calling them to repent from their sins. But also repentance is this thing of turning from your sins to God. So he was calling them to turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And so there was this turning of the people of Israel, the turning of Jews. This was for Jews. They were turning from their sin, turning back to God. Many of them had wandered away from the Lord themselves. And he was calling them to return, and they, re they responded. So this thing of repenting and being baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, baptism is part of, I believe baptism is part of our turning from sin and to God. I believe it's part of the process of us turning to God. And so you got to remember what was going on with the Jews in this situation. The Jews, how did they feel or how did they believe that their sins were forgiven? Something new was coming on the scene. They believed that the only way their sins were forgiven was to take a spotless lamb and to sacrifice that lamb once a year on the Day of Atonement. And on the Day of Atonement, once a year, their sins would be forgiven for that year and they would be released from sin. So something different was now being declared through Peter that no longer is your forgiveness of sins coming through a lamb, but now the sacrificial lamb of Jesus Christ, he was now going to be what, what removed your sins, what atoned for your sins. So this was a total change for the Jewish people in what they were believing, and they were believing the message. They were believing the truth. They realized that Jesus had rose. They realized he was the Messiah. He re they realized they were, they were coming to the revelation that Jesus was the only way to God. And today, Jesus is the only way to God. Can we have an amen on that? Ain't no other way but through him. So a new truth was coming forth. Forgiveness of sins now comes through Jesus Christ. And so baptism is part of turning back to God. People in your life will be turning back to God, and you will lead them to baptism. You will lead them to baptism. I love it. Not too long ago at um, Higher Realm, somebody was water baptized in a bathtub here in the church. I loved it. I got the picture. It was like, oh yes, praise the Lord. Why? Because the body of Christ was baptizing those, calling people to obedience. Isn't that exciting? We have used Jeff and Michelle Hughes's hot tub on numerous occasions, numerous occasions. And thank you, Jeff and Michelle, for your hot tub. It works good. That's really good of the winter. So, Let's look at another scripture when it comes to baptism. And I'm, we're going to read this one. These are, most of these are from Acts right now. 
But this is the 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 the, the, the this is Saul's salvation. Saul has just gotten born again. Saul, who was what? He was persecuting the church. He was arresting Christians. He was throwing them in jail. Some of them he was killing. He was there at Stephen's stoning, giving approval to Stephen's death. Paul, Saul is wreaking havoc. We call him Paul now. His name was Saul. And he is now on the road to Damascus on his horse, headed down the road. And Jesus shows up to him, the resurrected Jesus, shows up to Paul, and Paul falls off his horse, sees a bright light, hears Jesus say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He goes, who are you? I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And Saul has this radical conversion to Jesus. And so then God speaks to Ananias and says, go talk to Paul. I'm going to return his eyesight. And so Ananias, if you read the scripture in Acts, he's scared. He's he's worried about going. But here's the, the passage where Ananias goes to Saul. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me to, so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was what? And after eating some food, he regained his strength. Immediately, Paul, obviously, Ananias, expressed to him something about water baptism or Paul would have never gotten water baptized right away. I've got several here which we don't have time to go into, and you might want to write these scriptures down because as you're learning more about water baptism, it's good for you to know these scriptures. But there's three scriptures in Acts, Acts 8.36, where the eunuch who is from Ethiopia has been to Jerusalem. He is a, he is a uh, a believer of Yahweh, but he, is not, he has not been born again into Christ yet. And he's coming back from, uh, from Jerusalem and going back to Ethiopia. And Philip meets him in his chariot, and he is reading Isaiah the prophet. And Philip preaches and declares the good news about what that, what that scripture was. And what did, what did the eunuch do? He said, he's walking by, and they, they're, they're in a chariot, and he sees water, and he says, hey, is there anything that forbids me to be water baptized? There's water. And what does Philip do? Philip goes and he water baptized him immediately. And Philip is translated to another city. In Cornelius' situation, the centurion, he believes on Christ and is baptized as well. That whole story about Cornelius is so powerful because they actually received the power of the Holy Spirit before they got water baptized. They start speaking in tongues. They're Gentiles, and, and, and they're like, oh my goodness, God's even coming to the Gentiles. And Cornelius gets saved, and then his whole family gets saved. I believe God's restoring whole families. Can I have an amen? I believe we're going to have whole families get water baptized. And Cornelius' whole family gets water baptized immediately after salvation. Acts 16.30, the jailer gets saved in prison. When Paul and Silas are in jail, earthquake comes, shakes the place, the chains fall off, they're free, all the prisoners are free, the jailer gets ready to kill himself, and he goes, no, 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 wait, we're still here. 
And what does he do? He goes, what must I do to be saved? And what does, what does Paul and Silas do? They lead him to Christ. They tell him that Jesus is the way of forgiveness. He says yes. He invites them home. He bandages up their wounds. And his whole household gets saved. And his whole household gets water baptized immediately. Everybody say immediately. I believe there is a pattern in the Word of God, and we could go through over and over and over, but we don't have time to go every scripture. All baptisms in the Word of God occurred after someone believed the message about Christ. The requirement for water baptism is that you have made a confession of faith in Jesus Christ and have decided to follow and have decided to obey Him. They were immediately baptized. And I think it's important. This is one of the reasons why we don't do infant baptisms, is there's nothing in the Word of God where an infant can make a confession of faith. And so that's why we don't do infant baptisms. Now, what we do with infants is we do baby dedications because the parents, that's what they're doing. They are dedicating their child unto the Lord. The child is, is, will go to heaven. They are not condemned. They will go to heaven because they are not of age. And so we dedicate them to the Lord. But water baptism is something that we believe is right after our conversion and after our salvation. I have a situation where I have someone in my life that um, <clears throat> they had gotten saved and they had a remarkable, uh, remarkable conversion. And I was discipling them <clears throat> and I was going over the water baptism and they wanted to get water baptized, but their parents didn't want them to be water baptized. And, and out of respect, she chose not to because of her parents, and I get that. Um, and I, I, it, it's one of those situations where I do think you need to talk to your parents and all that kind of stuff if you're young. But it's, it's interesting because th this person is now struggling in their, and, and away from the Lord because they chose not to get water baptized after they got saved. And, and I, I just think it's, 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 it's a shame not to get water baptized after your conversion. There's something, and I'm going to explain here in just a minute, what, some of the power behind water baptism and why it's so significant. But it is something that is done right away. And we try to do it as quickly as possible. <clears throat> and so, hey, we're going to do it in the May. So, the word baptism actually means to dip, plunge, immerse, or to bring under the influence. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm going to get water baptized, I want to come under the influence of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Anybody else? What happens when you come under the influence of alcohol? You say and do some things that you should not do. Have you ever heard of liquid courage? Have you ever heard of liquid stupidity? Well, I'd much rather come under the influence of God. And I believe that's what water baptism does. It's an outward sign, but we're, we're going to get into the purpose of water baptism. Because there's three things, if you're taking notes today, I want you to go away with three things to take home today and to remember and to, to chew on. What is the purpose and, and what is the why behind water baptism? And the first one we've just already talked about, it's, it, number one, it's, it's just being obedient to Jesus. The Matthew 28 word that came from Jesus, Jesus says that we are to be water baptized, and so we do it out of obedience to Christ. Can I have an amen? The New Testament is littered with confirmation of what Jesus commanded us to do in baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
So the point one is it really is just us obeying God. But the second thing is really the most, one of the most, power, there's two, the next two things are really the most, and it's where I'm going to spend the bulk of my time. Yeah, I still got plenty of time. <clears throat> is on point two and point three. Point two is probably, I think, one of the, the biggest things for me of, of, of importance when it comes to water baptism. And, and, and it's, it's, your, it's, it's your identity. Water baptism is part of establishing your identity and that you are united in Christ and that you are his. We have a major identity crisis in our culture because people don't know who they are and they don't know whose they are. We belong to Christ. If you are saved, if you have given Christ Jesus your heart and you have been born again by the Spirit, you are united with Christ. Can I have an amen on that? Water baptism is a public sign of my faith and my identity in Jesus. It is part of declaring who you are and whose you are. And so we're going to look into Romans 6 because what Paul does in Romans 6 is he begins to unpack our identity. He begins to unpack the power of water baptism. And so Romans 6 is a powerful scripture, and there, there is so much here that I'm not going to cover. I'm going to kind of hit the, the mountaintops, because literally you could, I could share several weeks when it comes to water baptism. But let's look at Romans 6, and let me kind of unpack this a little bit. I've highlighted some things when it comes to your identity, because even the song we sang about the grave, because I, I want you to think about water baptism in this is, and this is what we're getting ready to read, is water baptism is I am united to Christ in his death, I am united to Christ in his burial, and I am united to Christ in his resurrection. His, I am, my identity is in his death, burial, and resurrection. I was actually with him in his death, I was actually with him in his uh, burial, and I was actually with him in his resurrection. And so, when you, when, when, you, when you talk about in water baptism and you go down into your watery grave, the old man, it's, it is symbolism, but it's real. It's, 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 it's a prophetic act of what has already taken place on the inside. But I want you to look at the death that you're, and some of you I want to hold underwater probably till you die because I love you so much. But, but as you go in the water, you're dying. The old man, it's, it's symbolic of the old man dying and being buried in the water, the watery grave, and then coming out of the water is the resurrection, and that you are resurrected to new life. But Paul does a great job, and let's read this passage out of Romans 6 and begin to unpack just a little bit. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Say, I was baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him, through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Say, I can live a new life. I can live a new life. For if we have been united with him in death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. 
<laughs> that kind of gets me excited. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that Christ, since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, everybody say in the same way. Count yourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Count. The word count yourself as dead is an accounting term. It means to credit to your account, to reckon, to establish by accounting. It's like if I told Tom, Tom, I just deposited $10,000 in your checking account, it's yours. It's a done deal. This is not future tense. That scripture is not future tense. It is a now word. Count yourself as already dead. You can't die again. And so in my life, there are times when sin has overcome me where I have yielded to the temptation of sin. And the enemy comes to what? Accuse, condemn, and declare that I am unrighteous, I don't deserve God, and that I must either not be saved or I just whatever. The condemnation and the shame happens, right? Every one of us has experienced it. And you must... When that happens, you must give an account of what the true, your true identity is. That is not, can I say, that is not who Eric Haler is. When I struggled with pornography years ago, it was not who I was. Though I was struggling, it was not Eric Haler. And I had to reckon unto myself. I had to give an account of the truth that I am already dead in Christ. Sin no longer has mastery over me, and it no longer has the penalty that is due me. And that's why God does not see my sin, because he sees that I was dead, buried, and resurrected in Christ that I have been identified with the Holy One, that I have taken on the holiness of God through Christ Jesus, and I am a new man. And so water baptism is so critical because it is part of you appropriating the grace of God that has been done for you in salvation. It is a, it is a sign of what you, that you are marked by God. 
And dear God, why wouldn't you want to be water baptized when you're being united in him in his death, burial, and resurrection, and you're obeying him towards that? It is about your identity. I am a son of God. I am not a sinner. I am a son who has been blood-bought, washed, purified. I am not stain-filled. God is, yes, working a work of purity in us because we are working out our salvation daily as we walk this journey of Christ. He is, the junk is falling off. Oh boy, it doesn't fall off as fast as you want it to. Can I have an amen on that? But it, it's the accounting, it's, it's the accounting of this where count yourself as dead. So my identity with Christ, this passage means in baptism I am identified with him in his death, burial, and resurrection. My old man died with Christ. My old man was buried with Christ. And my new man is resurrected with Christ now and there is going to be a future resurrection of my body. And I talked about that on Easter. And Easter was a powerful service where we talked about there is no power of sin against you, and the power of the resurrection is yours. I hope this makes some people happy. You have a new identity when you give your life to Christ. Your body that was ruled by sin was killed and it was buried at salvation. <laughs> My old man was buried at salvation. My old man was buried at salvation. Does anybody believe that truth? Therefore, I am no longer a slave to sin because I have died with him. I can't, I got to count that. I am set free from the curse of sin, which is spiritual death and separation from God. You're alive in God you're alive in God, in Christ. Everybody say, in Christ. In Christ. In your new, your new identity, you are in him. And water baptism is the fulfilling of that righteousness and the truth of you being united with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. I'm going to repeat that. It's you being united with Christ in his death, burial, and his resurrection. Ain't no grave going to hold this body down. Ain't no grave. Because I'm telling you, we've been resurrected with Christ. So, water baptism. I think, I, I've seen this analogy and I liked it. It's like a wedding ring. What does their wedding ring represent? It represents my covenant with my beautiful wife. And man, do I have a beautiful wife. She's tolerated a lot of stuff. It's like a wedding ring on your finger. It signifies your covenant and your identity of being married to Christ and being married to your wife. But water baptism is, your, is like your ring about you being married to Jesus Christ. It signifies your covenant. It signifies your identity of being married to Christ and belonging to him. Water baptism is a beautiful picture in the natural that shows us what has taken place spiritually in us when we have given our hearts to Jesus Christ. And it also shows publicly that I belong to Christ and I'm united with him in my identity. So this second point is water baptism is declaring your identity and your unity with Jesus Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. I am married to him. 
My last name has changed. Can I have an amen on that? And I'm in him. Just like my wife took on my name as the bride, we are the bride of Christ. We take on his name, and what is his becomes ours. His righteousness becomes my righteousness. His, his, his holiness becomes my holiness. And now I'm in this process of working out that salvation and dying to my flesh, dying to the lusts and the desires of my flesh that wants my way versus God's way. And I'm sure nobody in this room, I mean, everyone in this room always wants to do God's will, right? You never want to do your will, right? Right? It was hard for some of you to get to do God's will. Just come here this morning, right? Okay. So. It's my identity was the number point, number two point. The Bible says I am crucified with Christ and I no longer live, right? But Christ lives in me. It doesn't say I was crucified with Christ. It doesn't say I will be crucified with Christ. I am crucified with Christ. So really water baptism is the picture of, of what is actually taking place on the inside of you when you said to Jesus, yes to Jesus. It's that I have become united and connected and in covenant with Jesus. And now I have free access to the Father. I can go to Heavenly Father and I can pray. I can talk to him. I can, I can commune with the Godhead. I can commune with God. I can commune with Jesus. I can commune with the Holy Spirit because I am united with him. Anybody want to say amen on that? Amen. So again, why wouldn't you want to be water baptized? Water baptized, baptism is personally applying what Jesus did for you. Okay, so that's number one, being obedient to God. Number two, our identity in Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. And the third area I'm going to cover in 15 minutes, well, actually less, because we're going to take some time to pray, is... That water baptism, there is a power in water baptism that brings deliverance. And I, I think this is one area that we have not had a lot of faith for, and God wants to increase, that when we water baptize people, that there is a deliverance uh, of, of God that comes in water baptism of breaking off the sin and breaking off our pursuing enemies. We're going to read a passage out of Colossians here. <clears throat> and Paul does a really good job of, of talking about water baptism and comparing it to circumcision. So does everybody know what circumcision is? We still circumcise here in America our little baby boys, don't we? And it's a, call, it's a cutting away of the flesh. And in the passage that we're getting ready to read, Paul begins to compare water baptism to circumcision, a cutting. And what was circumcision in the Old Testament? It was a sign that you were in covenant with God. It was a marking of your flesh saying you belong to Jehovah. And so he's now comparing in Colossians this circumcision, that baptism is like your New Testament circumcision, in that you are marked through water baptism. Anybody want to be marked in covenant with God? So let's look at that passage in Colossians. <clears throat> I'll read it from my text and stay close. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. 
And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. I want to read that again. He is the head over every power and authority. And that means every power and authority that comes against you, whether it's a spirit of fear, whether it's torment, whether it's demonic of whatever nature, whatever taunts you in your life, Jesus has authority and power over that. Can we say yes? In Jesus, you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off. It was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism. You see that there is, a, there is something in water baptize, baptism he's connecting. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were buried with him in baptism. Do you see that? Your flesh was put off. There's a cutting off of your flesh. There's a power the flesh has over you that God wants to cut off from you through water baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead when you were dead in your sins and in your uncircumcision of your flesh. God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has what? Taken it away. Everybody said taken away. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Lord, thank you for doing that. So Old Testament circumcision was a marking of the covenant in the flesh, and now he's comparing this to water baptism in, in, in this passage. So in water baptism, you have been spiritually circumcised. So when you do water baptism and you obey the Lord in it, there is a circumcising of your flesh. There's a circumcising and a cutting away of your flesh and sin. Not the circumcision done by the hands of men, but a circumcision done by Christ. It is supernatural. It's something you can't see. I don't understand it. It's a mystery. But because you're buried with him in baptism, a supernatural work of Christ delivering you from your enemies, water baptism is walking out this death of your flesh. It's walking it out. It's that burying the old man in the watery grave and the resurrection of your new life coming out of the water, clean and forgiven. And so circumcision, this marking us in our covenant, water baptism. Now, I don't have time to go into the scriptural references, but I want to, there, there is a New Testament reference to water baptism that also ties it to the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. Does everybody remember when Pharaoh made, uh, they, they, they were, Israel was enslaved for 400 years and they're leaving uh, Egypt and they come to the Red Sea and they don't know how they're going to get across the Red Sea. Pharaoh's men and his chariots and horsemen are coming to take them back to Egypt, to take them back into slavery. God tells Moses to put your staff down in the water. Water parts, dry ground, they walk through. And as soon as they walk through, the children of Israel get on the other side. And what happens? The water collapses on the enemies, and it destroys the enemies, and God's people are free. 
That is the symbolism, that is the prophetic picture that water baptism is painting in this passage. That the, in, your enemy, though he comes at you in seven ways, the Bible said he sh- though he comes at you in one way, they, he will flee in seven. That the Lord does something on your behalf when you obey him in water baptism. There is a cutting off of your pursuing enemies. And I'm telling you, I don't know whether it's drugs at, dr- drug addiction, but I have seen people come out and look so, so changed. I, I've seen people literally be, be, be things broken off of them in their life. And, and there is a thing that God does of circumcising you from your sin and breaking it off that water baptism does. So that's the third thing is the third aspect of water baptism is this, this deliverance of sin and our pursuing enemies that I believe is the power of water baptism that I don't know about you. I need help in breaking off my pursuing enemies. How about you, Alger? Absolutely. So, oh, wow, how did I do that? So the three things, why water baptism? One, it's a command from Jesus to obey. Number two, your identity, your new identity in Christ. You unite and identify with his death, burial, and resurrection. Your identity statement of who you are. And number three, there's a delivering power in water baptism. Great. I think I got it done. So my question to you today is the question that the disciples used often in the book of Acts was this. The disciples would ask people, have you been baptized since you believed? That was the question they would ask people. Have you been baptized since you've believed in Christ? And the que- on several occasions, no, we didn't even know there was a baptism. And they would explain the baptism of water and they would be baptized. You in this room, you online listening, have you been baptized since you believed? Do you want to be water baptized? I have a sign up on the Welcome Center if you want to be water baptized. I want to encourage you, if you have not been water baptized, this is a great time to be united with Christ. And to be water baptized. We're going to do it on May 29th at 3 p.m. at the church picnic. And it would be a great, great time for you to sign up and to commit yourself to obeying Christ in water baptism. And to be united with him in his death, burial, and resurrection. Your new identity. And to cut off your pursuing enemies. And to receive deliverance as you go into the watery grave. And you're resurrected in Christ, a new man. So I pray you'll do that with us. If you would, please just uh, stand up with me. We're going to do a little prayer. If you wouldn't mind, put a little music on, Clayton. If you wouldn't mind, everyone, if you wouldn't mind, just close your eyes. The Lord is here. And I want everybody just to be focused on the Lord. So just close your eyes for a moment. And I want, to, I want us to do business with the Lord. You know, almost every service lately, we have been giving people an opportunity to come to know Jesus because Jesus is here in this room. And he, and he is calling us all to come to him. And there are people who have been away from the Lord that God is, he's moving on their hearts 
And I think you're here today. I think there's someone here today that you have been away from the Lord and you, you are not united with Christ and you need to be united with Christ. There are some who don't know Jesus Christ yet as Savior. And you know, you know you need God in your life. You know that without Christ, you will not get to experience heaven. And you will not get to experience life with God. And you're here today, and the Spirit of God is dealing with your heart. You can run, but you cannot hide. God is knocking on your heart. He's calling you to come home. He's calling you back to himself. Just like my mother-in-law, just like my family member, just like the 10 or 12 people that have, have done, there's this they're moving of God's spirit. God is doing a work to draw people's hearts. And your sin, your, your, your separation from God is going to send you to eternal damnation. It's going to separate you eternally from God. We don't want that for you. God doesn't want that for you. God is extending his hand to you today. And I know if you're here today and you're away from God, he is convicting you right now of your need to turn to him and give your life to God. And you know what the beautiful thing about our God is? Is he loves us and he knows what we need. He knows the turmoil you're in. He knows the struggle you're in. He knows you, the, of the things that's going on in your life. And he's reaching out his hand to you this morning. He's saying, will you come to me? All you who are weary. Are you tired of it? He wants you to be united with him in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. If you're here today and you've never asked Jesus into your life, you've never received his love and forgiveness, and you want to make that commitment to Jesus, I need you to just raise your hand right now if you don't mind when here. If you would, just raise it up high so I can see it. If you're here and you need Christ, see that hand. Is there anybody else? I see your hand. Thank you. Anybody else? They want to get right with God. The Spirit of God is dealing with your heart. Please just raise your hand with me today. Thank you. This is your time. You who raised your hand, this is your day to make things right with God. I also want to deal with somebody, some other people. Maybe you've been... A prodigal. Maybe you have given Christ your heart at one point in time. But you've been away from the Lord and you've been doing your own thing. But the Spirit of God is dealing with your heart to return to God. If that's you here today, just raise your hand. And you will say, I want to come back to Christ today. I want to come back to him. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you, God. Anybody else? Okay. I want us to all pray this prayer together. I know you, many of you have already made this confession of faith, but it is something beautiful when we pray it together as well. For you who have, are asking Christ to come into your lives for the first time, I want you to pray it. Those who are prodigals where you've been away from the Lord and you're returning to God, I want you to pray this prayer as well with me. <clears throat> Just repeat with me. Father God, I accept your sacrifice of Jesus. He is your son. He is holy and he is coming to me. I open my heart today 
I receive Jesus into my life. I want to be united with Christ today. And I accept your death, burial, and resurrection for me. I ask you to have complete ownership of my life. Complete ownership of my mind. Complete ownership of my emotions. Complete ownership of my choices. Make my spirit alive now. Holy Spirit, I invite you in. Fill me, Holy Spirit. I confess my sins to you, God. I turn from these sins today. And I turn to you as my Lord and my Savior. And I thank you for making me clean today, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I receive you as my Lord. And I give you my life in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you for praying with me. What I'm going to do is I'm going to have the altar team come up. If I could have Susan and Michelle and um, Alger and Connie, if you wouldn't mind coming up here. There were several of you that raised your hands. We're not going to embarrass you. We have a book up here that we want to give you. Next steps. I also, if you are here and you've made confession of faith, we want to get you signed up for a water baptism on the Welcome Center. But please don't leave. If you raised your hand today, please. I know it's hard sometimes. But come up here. We want to give this book to you. We'll pray quickly with you, and we'll let you go. But I want to encourage you that part of coming forward is this making a public declaration of your uniting with Christ today and saying yes to him. So I want to see you as well. So I'll talk with you. But here's our action plan for the week. Take a picture of it real quick before you leave today. We're going to read some more scriptures this week on water baptism. We're going to pray for friends and family who are away from the Lord because God is drawing people. We're going to witness and share our faith this week. And we're going to also read Acts 23 and 24 and do our hear journal and memorize Psalms 111 verse 8. Let us pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, God, for water baptism. I thank you for this sacrament, this, this, this ordinance that you have placed within the church that revolves around you. It is about what you have done for us through your death, your burial, and resurrection. Father, we thank you for it. God, we are honored to obey you with water baptism. Father, I pray that those who have accepted you this morning, God, that they, on their journey towards you, God, we want to help them, God, and I just pray, God, that you would bless them, that you would encourage them, and that, God, you would give them boldness to declare their faith to somebody right now so that, God, you can confirm the work of your spirit in them. Father, we give you praise for that, and we love you in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said... Amen. Go and be blessed. Have a great day. And again, if you raised your hand today, please come forward and talk with us. I'll give you a book and you can be on your way. But God bless you.